Howdy. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How, uh, we're back from Gettysburg. We are. That was a great time. That was such a great time. It was really fun. Holy shit. So, yeah. so fun. That was super fun. And, and we got to... Is... Are you going to finish? Too much dead air. I know. I was like, are you going to finish? Am I going to finish? I'm like, uh-oh, there's too much dead air. Um, got to meet a bunch of people uh, in person that we have been friends with through friends for a long time. We finally all got together and um, that was really great. And then now you say words. <laughs> um, yeah, that was so much fun. We both had kind of weird experiences out on the battlefields mm -hmm. and so cool to be able to experience some of our nation's uh, history. Yeah. Uh, to be there in person is definitely... A must. Intense. Yeah. Really God, cool. Yeah. Um, for sure. I brought back way too much stuff for Zane, and he has been living his best Civil War life ever since. I think that's wonderful, um, though, he's that decided... he's so excited about it. Oh, he's so into it now, and that's what he's going to be for Halloween. A Union soldier? I mean, he's got mm -hmm. the hat now, so... <gasps> yeah, he has the hat. Okay, so here's what you got to do. I just ordered his thing today. Oh, did you? From the... Um... Mm hmm actual store that you know uh, like <laughs> we got the artifacts <laughs> no no <laughs> right remember because they had those they actually oh my god you guys what was it called the little, little drummer boy i believe so yeah it was a store that sold actual get civil war and gettysburg battle memorabilia like not replicas like actual bullets and teeny little muskets and drums that they actually you know played in the i mean hats and uniforms and guns and freaking every <laughs> swords i tried to get her to get zayn sword she was like no also they were like nine hundred dollars but um <laughs> yeah but there's that yeah so it was amazing so if you go to gettysburg a thousand percent go to downtown it's got so many amazing shops and this was one of them we had the best freaking time um so laura do you want to tell them about your weird experience when we were up by devil's den uh sure okay. so <clears throat> devil's den has been is kind of closed off to where um, all the boulders are is, is encircled and um, like cordoned off with like plastic fencing. That green um, but netting you can go up stuff. to the top of the hill and there's monuments up there. So I had gone up to the top. Uh, Carrie had kind of walked down the ways towards um, there's some woods right there. And I was up on top and I kept I, I heard somebody like a man yell and I was like that's weird because I'm taking pictures around and there's nobody around except for Carrie and her mom in the car. 
Yeah, it was just us there. (laughs) But, you know, maybe I just can't see somebody or something. And I keep taking pictures. I'm just, like, hanging out, looking at the monuments. And I hear it again. And I'm like, that's weird. It's not like somebody would go to Gettysburg and just yell randomly here and there. I mean, maybe they would. That's fucking weird. I mean, maybe. So... (laughs) One of the things that you hear about Gettysburg is that you will hear, like, phantom war sounds. Yeah. Calls. Gunfire. Cannon fire, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yelling. Um, (laughs) So I decided to record it. I just decided to hit the the recorder on my phone. And I did capture the yelling. um, More than once, actually. Twice Mm -hmm. in the thing. It's kind of muffled the second time. Um, I will post that up so you guys can hear it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it was pretty weird because I, I can even post the pictures. You can tell there's, I mean, there's literally no one around except for no. Carrie. And she was by where the sound was coming from, uh, which was to my left. And yeah. I asked her when I went down, I said, did you hear that? And she goes, what? I was like yelling. She's like, I didn't hear it. No, didn't hear a word. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, then fine. Didn't hear like, a word because I fucking heard yelling, <laughs> and there's no way we weren't that far apart that she Uh-oh. wouldn't that I would have heard it and she wouldn't have heard it. If I was, yeah, I was less than 50, 75 feet from you. So yeah, yeah. and the yelling is loud word. even on the recording. Yeah, here, it's yeah. fairly. It almost drowns out that annoying no bird you also about. captured. <laughs> that bird yes. that, can- <laughs> that fucking bird was loud <laughs> so it almost drowns out that bird but um yeah no i was like Mm-mm. and so then when she was coming down a car passed us and they went up a little ways and they actually stopped to park by where i had walked up to and she was like oh it was probably them i'm like no no they just drove up you didn't see him she was and she wasn't paying attention because it was kind of a you know up on this mound and she was walking down, so she didn't notice the car drove by. I'm like, no, they just passed us. And she's all, hmm. Like, she almost looked, you almost looked stumped. <laughs> and, like, every time I was like, mm, nope, wasn't me. I didn't hear it. Nope, wasn't that car. You kind of look like, oh, I've got to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the point? Is like, not yeah, to just assume I mean, that it's paranormal yeah. and, like... But that it no, it's be... always, always, always paranormal. Just, yeah. Right. Right. I always think about it as the Sherlock Holmes thing, right? Like, whatever, um, after you rule out everything, whatever is left, even... No matter how absurd, is yeah. The... Is the answer, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I'm always trying to rule it out as is that else. Is that Occam's razor? Is that what that is? I don't know. Anyway. It just reminds me of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is, and he just said it. I don't know. Maybe Occam stole it from Sherlock. Um, yeah, so that was her experience. And then mine. So my mom and I drove up Thursday. Yeah? Yeah, Thursday. And mm-hmm. we got there about 5 o'clock. We checked into the hotel. We had a little dinner. And then we went driving around. So the sun's not setting around here until like 8, 8.15, between 8 and 8.30 at night. So we went to the park because the actual battlefield and this is part of, you know, the National Park Service and it's open from sunrise to sunset. So we were like, oh, it's still open. Yay. So we went to the National Cemetery and my mom was like, I'm not climbing that hill. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm just going to go snap a few pictures. So I go up there and I'm snapping some pictures and 
there's like an outer cemetery and then there's an inner cemetery that's like where there's like a wrought iron gate around the whole thing. So I'm taking pictures and there's a couple maybe 25 feet away from me and they're just looking and taking pictures and um, there's nobody else around really because the park is getting ready to close. So I'm standing there and I start hearing military orders being shouted and I'm looking around and I'm looking in the like gate of the cemetery. Like I almost kind of like Jack Nicholson, like my face was like pressed in and I'm like, look at nothing. There's nobody in the bars. Yeah. There's nobody (laughs) in the cemetery. Um, so turn around and the battlefield is like right across the street. So I look, but there's trees all over the cemetery. Like you can't really. So I'm kind of like looking and the couple is also looking around. So I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. So I go back to taking pictures and I'm like reading some of the, the memorials and things like that. And we hear it again. And this time I turn around and I look at them and they look at me like, did you hear that? And so I was like, I don't know. So we walked to the edge of the cemetery to see if there was a reenactment going on, because that's exactly what it sounded like. There's nobody on the battlefield, not a soul. And we hear it again. And by this point, the woman's like, I want to go. Like she, I heard her. She's like, I want to leave. <laughs> and the husband's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm all, ooh, and I, not a soul. And there are people walking by, but we had heard it so much earlier on that like, it couldn't possibly have been from these people because they would have been further down the street. It was really crazy, but that is one of the claims um, that, you know, you hear that. And so I think, Laura, that might have been something that you had experienced as well, because the recording that you got, it's not clear what the person is yelling. Correct. And it it wasn't it really a male voice. Yelling. Mm-hmm. It's loud. Yelling. Yes, it is. Um, and it's not a scream. It's very definitely like a word of, but it's not really clear mm-hmm. what the word is. Um, so yeah, that was, we had gotten into Gettysburg, maybe been there two hours. And I was like, okay. And we're off to the race. <laughs> like shit's already <laughs> starting to go. happen. Here we go. So, um, we had a wonderful time. The convention is super fun they um all the money that they raise and so your tickets when you to get into the convention it was so cool you guys it was 20 dollars, and they got you access into the full convention for all three days so um yeah it was really cool yeah it was really cool so um all of the money that the vendors paid to get there everybody that paid money to attend they had parties each night there was an 80s theme party one night and um some other party on saturday night we didn't go to that one but um all the money that there is. And then they did a raffle. So like all the vendors had to um, give like gift baskets and stuff that were raffled off. And Dave Schrader and Shane Pittman from the Holzer Files was there. And so they were conducting the auction um, or not rather not the raffle for the, the stuff. And all the money that they raised goes to Wounded Warriors. And they raised $18,000 this year. So um that's awesome. Yeah. Really great cause. Really great time. Oh, God, we had so much fun. So Laura and I are going to be there as vendors next year. And this time it's in July. Woo-hoo. Yay. So you guys got to come out and see us. Um, Gettysburg is going to be July 13th and 14th at the Wyndham Gettysburg. Come on out and see us. We're super excited. All of our friends are going back again next year. And um, 
what else? We got to do, oh, we got to do, um, have a couple of investigations with Ron Yacovetti and Lourdes Gonzalez, our friends from Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence. And Ron literally wrote the book on it, Paranormally Speaking, Unknowingly Talking, Knowingly Talking to the Unknown. And it's basically um, his new methodology that he's come up with, with um, direct radio voice. It's a new kind of... Um, Sort of similar to the spirit box and the ghost box, but vastly different. So we spend about three hours in one of the ballrooms with Ron and Chris and Audra and Steve Dills um, and his and his teammates doing this. And uh, Joe Cardona of um, Seekers Club of the Paranormal. He was there. We had the best time. It was wild. And we're going to have Ron on the show so he can explain to everybody what this is um it's called direct radio voice and he's kind of enhanced it um and it's it's remarkable laura what did you think of it i i feel like it it definitely changed the way i view paranormal investigating for sure but what were your thoughts it was, on it uh it's pretty mind-blowing to be honest like it's uh i still am trying to wrap my head around it Mm-hmm. To be honest, I want to go yeah. back and listen to the recording and yeah, really kind of be able to sink my teeth into it. Plus, I mean, we were pretty freaking tired, but oh, yeah. to be able to still stay up for another three hours when you're already exhausted because it's so like exhilarating what is what is happening in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I can really say. Uh, yeah, I want to learn so much more about it. And what Ron is doing is groundbreaking and I can't. Mm-hmm. Get his book, read his book, check out what he's up to. Yeah. Really uh, yeah, taking things in a whole new direction. So it's really cool. It is, for sure. And so, guys, I don't know if you can see if the light's fucking it up. But it's called Paranormally Speaking, Knowingly Talking to the Unknown. Uh, his name is Ron Yacovetti. He's actually already put out another book. And I think we mentioned that on a couple episodes ago when we were like, we haven't finished one. And that overachievers fucking got two. So um, <laughs> check, get his books. You can get them on Amazon. Um, and meeting him, he's such a great guy. And Lord is God, they're such genuine, wonderful, lovely people. We had the best time. So come on out next year. They're going to do Christmas in July is the theme of the convention next year where everybody has to bring one unwrapped toy and then they're going to, um, give those to the children of veterans. So it's, it's just really amazing, really amazing time. So that was our Gettysburg trip. We will, like Laura said, we will post all that stuff. I have a weird picture, a couple weird pictures that I got. Um, oh, I did. We did tour the Jenny Wade house and they tell you not to. Uh, I hope the I hope the lady who's the manager of the museum isn't listening, but she said, don't record any video or audio. And I, we were like, sure, no problem. And of course I had my EVP recorder out recorded the whole thing and I was like, Jenny, hi, are you here? Say something. Here's my recorder, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, um, then I came home and uh, did my laundry and forgot I had stuck the EVP recorder in the pocket of my shorts. And then I washed the shorts and the EVP recorder is fucking trashed. So no recording of the Jenny Wade house. I no no recording. We did a private residence case a couple weeks ago. I did some recording with that. Didn't put it, transfer it to my computer yet. It was on. Everything is gone. Don't wash your EVP recorders. They can't take it. Lighters, yes. EVP recorders, no. Um, <laughs> just check your pockets, people. Just check your pockets, people. Uh, I'm always 
griping at my mom and Koi when they like, because my mom is notorious for leaving Kleenex in her pocket. So then there's like mm. Kleenex shards in the washer. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm always on them to check, clean your pockets. But uh, yeah, and then I, uh, $40 EVP recorder down the drain. <laughs> so anyway, that was that on that. I guess we just jumped right into the EVPs. And I didn't put up our little overlay. Hold on, guys. I know you're confused. There we go. Okay. Um, Laura, merch sale. Tell everybody about it. Go get your wonderful, wonderful HOH merch. Um, from now until the end of the month, get your pre-sale order in at hoh.com slash shop. HOHpodcast.com. Whatever. That's... <laughs> I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> go to our you website. Know, that place. Go yeah. there. Get go the there. Shop. Yeah. Hit the shop button. Buy some shit. You're going to love it. We got t-shirts, hoodies, um, tank tops. Yep. What else do you need? Sweatpants. We got you covered. Yeah. Right, Zip up hoodies. Six different colors. Fantastic. Buy black because that's what everybody wants. Anyway. Yeah, everybody's buying black. We literally have sold like all black, one dark charcoal, and then one person, our friend Lisa, bought a blue shirt. I was like, finally, somebody bought something with color. <laughs> so, Kinda. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, runs through the thirtieth, and uh, come in and get your merch, please, 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 because we have minimums we have to meet with our with our vendor. So, help us out. Um, get on in there. Get on in there. The other thing that I did want to say, um, oh, Laura and I went and drove the battlefield in Gettysburg Saturday night, and I took a video of it, of the drive through the battlefield. Now, they don't let you in the park after it's closed, and the police do patrol it, but there are public streets, because people live on and around the battlefield, that you can drive down, and that's what we were driving down. So I took a video of us driving down like it was literally like hand out of the car Laura's driving and I'm just it's just us driving down a dark road I put it on TikTok that fucking thing has almost 50,000 views since Wednesday the podcast has gained 35 new followers I've gained 62 Every, it's, it's just blown up I'm like what is happening <laughs> what is happening um, that's awesome yeah, it was really cool. So I guess I'll just tag, put hashtag Gettysburg on everything and maybe that'll help because then some people had commented like, okay, so there's nothing on here. And I had put on there driving through Gettysburg Battlefield at night. That's it. And so people were like, and then what? And I'm like, and nothing. That's exactly what the the video is as advertised. Um, <laughs> right. But then I felt bad. It was like... It is creepy to drive through there. And most people say that. They're like, this is really creepy. And I'm like, I know, right? Because, of course, I said it to the Halloween Michael Myers music, so that made it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, But, (laughs) yeah. So I felt bad because people were expecting something paranormal and they didn't get it. So I'm like, all right, here's another video. And this actually has an EVP in it of uh, my friend Zach being mimicked at St. Albans. And that's gotten like 280 views. I'm like, oh, okay, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can't go viral all the That's time, but yeah, I, I mean, and we've promoted our, some of our TikToks, you know, and we've gotten like, you know, two, 3000 views or whatever. And 
but this one, I just, and this is on my personal account at H-O-A-H Carrie. So if you, you know, you're curious, go take a look. It is a creepy video. Uh, the music's for sure creepy. Um, but yeah, so not many people are mad about it. Most people are like, this is really cool. And some people that live in Gettysburg are like, never go out there at night. Like some people, we were kind of admonished by some folks that were like, no, 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 really? don't ever do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought it was super fun, but yeah, Laura had the best time. Um, and I didn't, but for, you know, various other reasons, I'm an empath and it was just really overwhelming. So, um, yeah, so go check it out. H O A H carry on the TikTok, Gettysburg, a battlefield drive. And, uh, you know, bump me up to maybe, you know, 55,000. That would be really great. <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's literally just a dark road. So uh, to that end, I think that's it. Merch, Gettysburg. Oh, we're going to be doing a Facebook Live. We just hammered out the details. We're going to be doing a Facebook Live on Saturday, September 10th. We're going to be doing our recap of our investigation of the USS North Carolina, showing you some evidence that the various teams that were with us caught. So be sure to capture to watch that. I'm actually going to create an event after we're done recording. And God stop me because we're already 21 minutes in. There you go. All right. Let's All right. actually get to the episode. Let's get to the episode. Thank Laura. you for sticking with us. I know. And if they skip but through. We actually had ghosty some... shit to say. We did. <laughs> so we, did we, did. we didn't talk about our dogs. We didn't, you know. Um, hey. But let's house Humphrey. I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. We're getting the episode started. <laughs> Laura, where are we taking them? We are taking you to Madison Seminary. Which you already know because you clicked on the damn episode. And my sources would be ohiomemory.ohiohistory.org, news-herald.com, architecturalafterlife.com, ironcityparanormal.com, and starbeacon.com. Iron City Paranormal is really becoming a good source for us because they're one of my sources this week too. And then they were our sources last week. But the reason for that is maybe, um, maybe it's just coincidental. The gentleman that owns Fairfield County infirmary also owns Madison seminary. So this episode is a sister episode to Fairfield County infirmary. And it is dedicated to one of our YouTube viewers. Uh, their handle is statue 98 and we don't know their name, but they have been with us on YouTube almost since the beginning. And they're kind of, I was telling them, like, they're kind of like our hype man. Because every episode, they're like, great job. Can't wait to see it. Love to see you girls. Like, they're so sweet, so genuine, so wonderful. Um, I can't, I can't get enough. Like, every, almost every episode, I get a notification that they're like, oh, so great to see you. And so this episode is dedicated to Statue 98. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And man... Man, we have a lot of fun with you guys. So here is a round of applause for Statue 98. This episode is for you. <laughs> all right. Go, Laura. Right. I'm going to put myself on mute so that it's all you. Just go. <laughs> right. She has 14 pages. <laughs> that will never happen. No, it won't. All right. So the, Mem <laughs> the Madison Seminary was originally chartered in 1845 as an institute of higher education. It is located in Madison, Ohio, near the Lake Erie coast. The original wood frame building was completed in 1847. These original structures still stand and are known as the Civil War side of the building. Cool. Uh, a larger, yeah. So a larger brick structure was added in 1859, 
providing boarding for up to 150 students during the school's heyday. However, by the late 1800s, the increasing availability of public education decreased demand for a private seminary. The building served needs of students um, until July of 91, and when the building was first left and quickly bought by Madison Township. 90, uh, Lake County Administrator... No, I'm sorry, you said 91, like... Oh, 18, I was like, like, 1990? Holy shit! Okay, sorry. No. <laughs> Long time ago. I was like, so your history's um, already done. Wow, all right. <laughs> right, and, and that's the end. Um, the Lake County Administrator had wanted to demolish the structure at this time, as it didn't meet many of the codes, even back then. Um, Jesus. At this time... <laughs> Yeah, however, at this time, growing attention was being given to survivors of the Civil War. Uh, the Grand Army of the Republic, a fraternal organization of Civil War veterans, was gaining lobbying power. Uh, President Benjamin Harrison, a Civil War veteran himself, uh, promised pensions for veterans as part of his 1888 campaign platform. And in 1891, the Madison Seminary buildings were purchased by the Ohio Women's Relief Corps an auxiliary of the Grand Army of the Republic, and renamed the Madison Home. The okay. home was remodeled, and a new wing was added in order to house Civil War Army nurses, as well as the wives, mothers, and sisters of soldiers. Okay, that were lost in the war? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or just didn't have family to take care of them, etc. Oh, okay. All right. Um, the building as it stands today... Uh, is recognizable to visitors by its stone archway covered with Ohio Cottage. I mean, that was an addition that was built by the Women's Relief Corps on the site. I'll show it again. Um, Hang on. Of the original small frame wood structure in 91. There okay. we go. By 1904, however, the Women's Relief Corps could no longer afford to operate the building and donated it to the state of Ohio, which renamed it the home of the Ohio soldiers, sailors, Marines, their wives, mothers, widows, and army nurses, because we needed more of a mouthful. Uh, oh, I mean, that's super easy to remember. Decades. It's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> they ran it for several decades as a home for needy widows, mothers, and children of Ohio veterans. Um, in 1915, there was a report that detailed there was about 249 residents um, who, reside, who had resided in the facility to that date, um, including currently there were three mothers, one sister, one daughter, and 35 widows. Whoa. Uh, there were mothers that were aged 96, 95, and 94 that were in there. Goodness. Crazy, right? Yeah, super crazy. Uh, so um, the Attorney General of Ohio um, at that time, his name was McGee, um, he stated that not until all the wives, widows, and mothers of Civil War soldiers and all Army nurses of that war have died can the Madison home be abandoned and sold by the state. Oh, so to basically ensure they had somewhere yeah, to live. Yeah, they were taken care of. Okay, cool. Right. Um, in the so in the 1950s, um, there was kind of a funny little story that the welfare director, um, and by this time, the and there might have been children of war, war the Civil War veterans, but I highly almost even doubt that. But the welfare director ordered an investigation of yeah. reports of sex escapades and drinking parties among trustee honor inmates that were working in the facility. And I'm going to tell you how that came to happen. So um, management of the home was transferred to the Ohio Department of Mental Hygiene and Corrections. Mental um, hygiene? Widows. Mental hygiene. That's what I'm, that's what it said. I don't know if that's, you know. 
Weird. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So the widows were either returned to their families or moved to nursing homes at that time. Okay. Um, And they know that they had taken on some World War... Some was it World War II veterans, wives, and et cetera. Oh, okay. Um, so the the legislature. It, this is what happened in 1962. The legislature failed to appropriate operating costs for the next fiscal year. Thirteen women were ordered to leave, causing upset and questioning of finances and the decision to close, quote, a home donated to the state on behalf of veterans, widows, and mothers. Vacated resident Grace Limber described how, quote, we had everything we could possibly have in our own home, and the only thing expected of us was making our own beds. Wow. The request for further information was turned down. That was from the Sandusky Register in 62. Holy shit. Um, yeah, so it's pretty sad that they were kind of turned out. Yeah. Um, and then what happened was, obviously, they had uh, moved inmates mental inmates. i fucking hate and that word uh, that 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 uh, i mean i get it but i hate also that honor inmates i know and also honor inmates from the women's reformatory who were actually inmates in marysville so these inmates work there as staff and that's i think we're running into that the sexcapades um the building also had functioned as an extension of the apple creek state hospital to house disabled women and later joined with the Ohio Bureau of Vocational Rehab in hopes that the women could be rehabilitated to live productive lives in society. Okay. In 64, they all merged together with the Cleveland State Hospital um, and became an extension of that as well. And they used that for um, aged senile women. Approximately 37 women were housed there during the planning stage. And officials believed that eventually 60 could re- reside there without any structural change. Um they called it Opportunity Village. Um, okay. And it was closed for good in 75, 1975. Um, and the building would come to serve numerous purposes thereafter. Um, it had been said um, that when the police took over the property during the 80s. Oh, that's that right. All furniture <laughs> and various decorations were burned in a large bonfire behind the building. The building, yeah, weird. The building remained in use by police until the early 90s. When a newspaper ad went up reading, quote, for rent, historic building can be leased cheap. Caution, building may be haunted. <laughs> by the I end love it. Of the I'll buy century, it. Sold. Right, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Let's uh, do this. <laughs> right. By the end of the 20th century, the home's fate was uncertain, despite being listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, the structure was purchased <clears throat> in 2016 by Adam Kimmel, uh, who had been working to make the building a time capsule doing what was necessary to preserve its life and stories. As of 2019, tours, private ghost hunts, and public ghost hunts are available. There is also an adjoining cemetery on the property. Okay. Uh, Middle Ridge Cemetery uh, is located on the north side of Middle Ridge Road in operation since 1811. The northwest portion uh, was known as as the home lot. There's no township records of burials um, there per the agreement that the home would just be a lot for the residential burials and they would keep their own records. Oh, okay. The stones are identical in nature, small rounded gray marble with first and last names and the birth and death years. Wow, okay. Uh, The last of the stones there appeared to be dated um, around 1946. Wow. Uh, In many cases, the plans 
The plan was that any of the residents that passed away there, they were buried in that home lot unless uh, somewhere there were friends or, you know, distant family that would pay would, the expense of the funeral elsewhere. Right. Oh, okay. Right. So there have been a, a few notable residents that um, lived there in the time that they were housing uh, women. Uh, the first member admitted was Julia A. Hibbard, and she was an army nurse. Uh, Eliza Shute was 87. She spoke several languages. She was a singer and former schoolmate of author Harriet Beecher Stowe. Whoa, seriously? Yeah. Wow. There was also another Civil War, ner- war nurse and philanthropist, Eleanor Mother Ransom. Okay. Uh, there was Dolly Hamilton, and she was convicted on manslaughter and abortion charges, paroled and sent to Madison home in 30, 1939. Uh, she was employed as part of the Welfare Department's rehabilitation program, convicted after a 15-year-old girl died as a result of a legal abortion that um, Hamilton had performed in her home. Uh, she confessed that she had been doing that for several years. Um, she wow. was a resident night supervisor of Madison Home in 1940. Wow, okay. And there was also Elizabeth Brown Stiles, who died at the Madison Home and was buried in the home lot. Really? And I'm going to tell you her story. Okay. Shall she I show her picture? Fascinating. Cue me yes, when you want me do. to bring... Okay, right. here we go. <clears throat> All right, keep that image in your mind. Uh, very... You know, typical for the time. I exactly. That's what I was just going to say. That's very typical for the time. It's got the, you know, the the dress, the like high collar, very modest, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hair tucked in. Hair tucked in. Nothing right. so, flamboyant. All right. So I'm going to start her story. The knock at the cabin door came at late in October evening, 149 years ago. Elizabeth Stiles cracked open the door, advanced her lantern into the darkness and surveyed the mass of Union soldiers in front of her. Although she did not recognize any of the men, their uniforms put Elizabeth at ease. Shawneetown, situated on the Kansas-Missouri border, was a dangerous, bloody place to live in in 1862. There was constant violence over the issue of slavery, and outlaws roamed the countryside, inflicting terror and death upon those who favored the preservation of the Union. The most feared of these was Charles Cantrell, and his gang, which included the infamous Jesse James. Oh. And his brother, actually. Wow. So All one right. historian called Quintrell the bloodiest man in American history. Uh, Elizabeth was a school teacher, was born and raised in Ashtabula Village, um, and she had a reason to be especially cautious. She was fiercely patriotic and committed to the Union. She dabbled in espionage while posing as a nurse who cared for sick and injured Union soldiers. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Perhaps it was for that purpose that the Union soldiers were calling upon their home this evening. No, the men simply needed directions, information that her husband Jacob would be able to provide, which she be so kind as to kindly ask him to step outside. George Todd of Kansas City was the first to approach Jacob as he came out to see what all the ruckus was about. What's your politics, Todd asked. Union, Jacob said. Todd shot and killed Jacob on the spot. <gasps> okay, I, I didn't see man that coming. Elizabeth recognized, yeah, as a former neighbor, stepped forward, placed the muzzle of his gun against Jacob's mouth, and shot him again. <gasps> the uniforms were thus but a disguise that Quantrill's men hid behind as they delivered their package of terror to Shawneetown that night. Fearing for the safety of her children, Elizabeth returned to the house, but Quantrill and several of his men soon had her cornered therein. 
one of the gorillas pulled his gun and put it next to her temple. <gasps> Quintrell actually intervened. He said, quote, let her go, boys. She's too pretty to shoot. I can't stop gasping. Holy <laughs> shit, Laura. <laughs> My God. <laughs> right? This is terrible. It gets better. Oh, thank God. But it gets better. Okay. Ten months later, President Lincoln sent word to Elizabeth, who was staying at Fort Leavenworth, that he had, quote, important work for her to do. Elizabeth, Elizabeth placed her two youngest children in D.C. at school and with her 13-year-old daughter, Clara, at her side, took the oath of service to her country. Okay. Sewn into her dress was the letter of introduction dated August 19, 1863, that Lincoln wrote to the Secretary of War Stanton. Quote, Secretary of War, please refer the bearer, Mrs. Stiles, to the proper place, if there is any, to present her claim for property destroyed by the rebels. Also, her application for employment. So, while Elizabeth was officially a military nurse, that was just subterfuge for her real purpose, espionage. She was oh, a lady spy. Cool. So, right? So, born in Bunker Hill in East Ashtabula on August 21st, 1816, Elizabeth was one of 10 children born to John Corker Brown and his wife, whose name history has not been recorded, of course. So, while in slang use, a corker is a remarkable person. John's nickname came from his occupation. He caulked the seams of uh, the wooden ships. Oh, okay. So both corker and his wife instilled valuable skills in their daughter, who by the age of five could ride horseback and handle a gun. Her aim <laughs> was way more Christ. accurate than many of right than many of the boys her age. <laughs> uh, the result oh, wow. of her father working with her to develop that skill. Wow. So from her mother. Elizabeth gained the knowledge of nursing, uh, no doubt a necessity when raising a large family in the relative wilderness um, that was East Ashtabula 190 years ago. Okay. So Elizabeth was described as physically attractive as well as intelligent and independent. She departed Ashtabula County at the age of 21 and headed for Chicago. For nine years, she supported herself by teaching and working as a seamstress. Hmm. She and Jacob were married um, circa 1846, and they didn't have any children of their own. However, Hmm. after the death of her sister in 1858, uh, they adopted um, her sister's children, Claire and George, and they completed their family with the adoption of another younger girl, Sarah, at some some point before they moved back to Kansas in 1859. Okay. Uh, In Kansas, Elizabeth continued her work as a teacher Um, And she was determined to uphold the union to her students. To that end, when the students paraded from the school to a picnic ground for an outing, Elizabeth carried an American flag as she led the procession. Mm. That event caught the attention of the pro-slavery residents. And at some point along the parade route, a note was slipped to Elizabeth. If this parade is repeated, you may expect a coat of tar and feathers. Oh, my God. So she ignored that threat. And proceeded to repeat the display of patriotism that afternoon. And that night is when uh, his raiding party, Quintel's raiding party, came to uh, Shawneetown and killed her husband. Yeah. That was a little more so, than tar and feathering. <clears throat> a little bit. A little bit. So the work of a Civil War nurse was difficult uh, without taking on the added stress and responsibility of being a spy. Right. Uh, yeah, the stench of decaying flesh, disease, and death was inescapable. Nurses had the gruesome task of changing the dressings of the wounds and amputations of the pain-wracked bodies. 
yeah. while trying to calm the traumatized minds. Yeah. In a pinch, Elizabeth was even called upon to perform a few minor amputations. I don't know yeah. what is fucking minor about an amputation. I mean, um, like a toe maybe, or... Right, maybe a toe, okay. Yeah, maybe a toe. <laughs> a thumb. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Probably not, so, though. You can imagine that yeah. seeing your spouse murdered in cold blood um, had a way of putting things into perspective. For sure. And no doubt the memory of that drove Elizabeth to take extraordinary risks and travel hundreds of miles through 19 states, many of them at war with her employer. Um, Holy shit. As a spy, Elizabeth assumed the role of an old Southern woman whose uh, mission was to find the wounded father of her granddaughter, actually daughter, Clara, who accompanied Elizabeth on the forays. Uh, Her spy garb included a granny cap, powder to whiten her hair, and a pipe. Do you she want me to show, her deception. show the picture? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. With a Southern accent that fooled even General Sterling Price of the Confederate Army. She, she actually really Jefferson's. does look aged in this photo. Like, really right, aged. Right, if you compare yeah. it to the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe the other one was taken, actually, might have been after that, or not too far apart. You can tell it's the, the same the setting, though, because, like, there's that same tapestry yeah. in the upper corner. Absolutely. And- Wow. Mm-hmm. It's even <laughs> almost the same dress, but just like... Yeah, that. she's got that granny cap. And look at, she's got her pipe. Mm-hmm. For real, right? Love it. A pipe. Love it. Me too, sister. Oh, wait. Right. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, Never what's mind. happening? Wait, this, sorry, I took it I, I took it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so Elizabeth was arrested at Jefferson, Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, and she was brought before General Price on suspicion of being a union spy. So after recovering from his initial shock of seeing that the spy was a woman, um, he questioned Elizabeth at length about her background. Uh, We don't know what kind of stories she concocted, but by the time their tete-a-tete was over, Prince was convinced that Elizabeth was indeed a spy, but for the rebels. Styles ended his interrogation by apologizing to Elizabeth, then ordered a meal for her and supplied a fresh horse to replace the one his troops had confiscated. And to further demonstrate his trust in her, he gave her a better gun as well. Oh my God. Isn't that awesome? That's, I love this woman. Holy crap. Right? She's a fucking badass. Whoa. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, this lady is just amazing. So She's the best. um, Elizabeth... A crack shot whose circle of friends included Buffalo Bill and Wild Bill Hickok had no reservations about Jesus. using a firearm to protect herself and Clara. According right. to her obituary, which appeared in Kansas City Journal, Clara and Elizabeth were riding along the Kansas-Missouri border one night when Clara fell asleep on her horse. As she dozed, a soldier approached and attempted to arrest them. Clara awoke to the sound of a pistol firing and the sight of her mother regaining her composure. So to gain access to privileged information, Elizabeth also worked in Confederate hospitals as a nurse. This provided her access to the doctor's medicine bags where strategic information was often concealed. Once Elizabeth had obtained some valuable information through this route, she and Clara would take off. Right. Okay. So Elizabeth took advantage of the loose lips of Confederate soldiers who sought to drink away the horrors of war. Sure. She would also slip into taverns 
um, with as dressed as the old Southern woman. <laughs> and so, you know, nobody's paying any attention to her and they're all just talking, talking, talking. And right. She's just, what is this you know? little lady going to do? Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yeah. And she would listen to their stories and write them down, and then she would export them in loaves of bread or pieces of paper <laughs> concealed in her built-up hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So the extremes to which Elizabeth would go to get information were amazing. When she learned that a dirty building with a hog pen on the back would be the location of a nighttime meeting of commanders... Elizabeth climbed through the hog pen and hid therein through most of the night, listening through a crack in the boards to the conversations inside the building. Oh, my God. Right. After more than a year of living a double life, Elizabeth and Clara resigned their positions in November of 1864. Now, that's up to some debate. Some say that she was she worked through the end of the year, but m- most yeah. say that she kind of resigned around 1864. Okay. <clears throat> The recommendation came from um, the, a marshal in St. Louis um, that they should resign because the women had become known to the rebel sympathizers of the city as government employees. Oh, God. So they okay. finally been found out. So how old was um, Clara was, during all this? Do you know? The daughter. Uh, quite young. Um, teens. Oh, okay. Okay. Like 16 to 20, probably. Mm, okay. Right? She was also super brave. I mean, can you imagine? She's just a kid running out doing this stuff. Like, Mom, I don't want to do this. This sounds <laughs> <Right>? terrible. <laughs> right. Auntie, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I cannot do this any longer. <laughs> All right. Um, Elizabeth Stiles slipped into obscurity as quietly as she slipped behind the enemy lines during her years as a spy. Wow. Her son, George Dolph, cared for her um, in Pennsylvania in his Pennsylvania home until 1895, when Elizabeth entered the Women's Relief Corps home in Madison. Uh, the home provided shelter um, for the relatives of Civil War soldiers, and Elizabeth spent the last three years of her life as a resident there. I forgot. I actually Madison. forgot what we were fucking talking about. I'm like, <laughs> oh, right. Madison Seminary. Shit. That's right. Shit. right so this all ties back. <laughs> right. Okay. So... When she died, July 18th, 1898, Elizabeth's treasured letter from Abraham Lincoln was still among her possessions. Uh, the Western Reserve Historical Society purchased the letter from a family member in the 1940s. Um, Elizabeth Stiles, the woman who was too pretty to shoot, is buried in a cemetery near the former Woman Relief Corp home on Middle Ridge Road in Madison. Oh, my awesome? God. That is so cool and i love that like we just got back from gettysburg like we're still in that whole civil war my you know what i mean like this is perfect oh my god yeah and i mean and that just goes to show like how important these places were to take care of the these people that put their not only lives on the line but yeah i mean everything on the line yeah and obviously our veterans as well yeah so i just wanted to that story when i when i read it i was like this woman is Mm -hmm a fucking badass and just like i hadn't i had never heard of her i'm sure there's there there not a lot of people have but yeah if you do go to the madison seminary go next door pay her respects pay her respects she is yeah. buried in the cemetery there yes and you might actually hear more about her in my part so all right well awesome i'm yeah. looking forward to that <laughs> and that's all i have 
God, great job. Holy crap. That was a, such, I seriously, that was such a fascinating story that I did forget what we were actually talking about. <laughs> I was like, God. Like we're not just talking about Elizabeth Stiles? <laughs> go on. Holy shit. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I'm thinking about Gettysburg and I'm thinking about, like, you know, Civil War has been heavy on our minds. We just were there. And, um, yeah, I got so into it. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, it was that yeah, was and excellent. I love that there's a picture of her in her yeah. getup, right? Right? Let's, let's show it again. That's awesome. Hang on. Let's show it again. <laughs> pipe and everything. Like, did women smoke pipes back then? Like, she's just like, hey, check out my pipe. I'm guessing old ladies did. I guess, I mean, I guess like, if you get to a certain a age, yeah, anymore. you're gonna let us do what we wanna fucking do. Um Wow, that was fascinating. That was really cool. Thank you very, very much for that. Um, so inspiring too, right? Like, god damn. That's a that's a yeah brass pair I mean, on her. Even as an educator before she yeah. even became Yeah um, involved as a spy, like she stood up for, you know, what she believed in, unfortunately, <clears throat> um, William Cantrell and he did raids on all like towns all the time. Oh really? And would burn stuff to the ground yeah if they found people that were uh loyalists or unionists yeah they would yeah. kill them burn their stuff all kinds of stuff they were uh, like kind of marauding bandits that would yeah go all along those borders taking like said, families just games they'd rod stuff yeah yeah terrible 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 people. i wonder what guilt she must have harbored knowing that she was warned not to do that public display of you know, mm-hmm. um, being a patriot, and then she did it anyway. And then that night, her husband was killed. Like I wonder, I wonder what kind of guilt she she felt about that, or if it well, was just it was pure quite a driver anger for her. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, I mean, her husband was proudly sounds pretty proudly unionist as well, and probably supported her doing what she did in the beginning well and you know we talked about this when we were in gettysburg like we were talking about i think when we were driving through the cemetery to see jenny wade i can't remember but these people were so passionate about their beliefs and what they were fighting for like it was just a really really charged up time um Mm -hmm. so on both sides on both sides yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um wow good job as always, babe, no, good you. fucking job. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take it way down in my part uh, because, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't all sunshine, sunshine and roses in this place. And if it were, we would not be covering it here on History of a Haunting. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, as always, it's going to be a blip of time for you. And then we'll come back with the ghosts. So sit tight, guys. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, guys, see, that didn't take too long. Um, But in real life, I couldn't get my dog back in the house, and it was kind of a problem. (laughs) So um, my sources for this week are starbeacon.com, hauntedhouses.com, as always, Destination Fear, uh, season one, episode six. They really should hire me to promote the show. Uh, Angelfire.com and ironcityparanormal.com, which, Laura, you and I had mentioned um, that they're both of our sources this week and last, and they're actually becoming a really good source. Um, So um, if they're listening, and I hope they are, uh, you guys are awesome, and keep it up because... 
We need your help. <laughs> so your story was so inspirational, your history of this location. Um, but it wasn't great. <laughs> no, it wasn't a great place. It was not a great place to stay. Place to stay no. Um, so some people do believe in haunted houses and cemeteries and some people don't. Right. Um, is it just your imagination or is it true? Are there ghosts and spirits with us or is the wind and the ground settling below us? In Madison, Ohio, this large old building that has been around since about 1859 that several people speculate to be haunted and report sensations of being watched while others have seen figures wandering through the location just out of eyeshot. In addition, several people have reported being intimidated by the top floor. So, like you mentioned, that newspaper advertisement in 1993 that said for rent, historic building on Middle Ridge Road can be leased cheap. Caution, the building may be haunted. So... There were a number of um, situations, incidents, things like that that happened. Um, it does sound like it. It, as with everything, all these places we cover had the best of intentions, right? But um, you know, they're not hiring all the best people. They're not like maybe it was overcrowded. You know, there was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of neglect. Um, in particular, there was one employee there that um, had a proclivity of raping the women that lived there and then forcing them to get abortions by the doctors there that were taking care of them. So there were a lot of forced abortions. Um, there have been um, stories of a couple of murders that had happened there. One of a woman actually being buried in the basement, because, of course. Uh, <laughs> so not really great stuff happened there during its time as um, a home for women. Now, I'm just going to get right into the hauntings. There is the spirit of a little girl named Sarah. And Sarah has her own room in Madison Seminary. Um she was basically dropped off by her family who could not, <laughs> I am free, <laughs> who couldn't take care of her anymore. And um, she makes herself known and will talk with any investigator like a, a young child would. Uh, the owner and the other folks have made her room very inviting for her and she is very happy there. People leave her dolls, things to play with, books for children and a rocking chair as well. Um, even a little, one of those little um, rocking horses that she's got in her room. There are signs that she does play and read and rocks in her chair and on her horse. So her room is decorated. It's got a bed and a bedspread that a young girl um, would actually like. However, a lot of investigators and encounters with Sarah um, seem to indicate that Sarah might not actually be a little girl. And... Um, for those of us, especially if you've been listening to the show for a while, for those of you that are paranormal investigators, it is a fairly common um, notion that an evil entity, a malicious entity, even maybe a demonic entity, will pose 
as a child. Because again, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to feel the most sorry for? Who, who are you going to pay the most attention to? The ghost of a child. And here in, in Madison Seminary is no different. Look at what they've done to her room. Look at people bring her toys. People bring her, you know. But there's been a lot of indication that Sarah is maybe not a little girl. Um, so when you go there, you do have to be very, very careful um, how you interact with Sarah, the things you ask her, the things you promise her, because she might not actually be a child, which I find so creepy. I, I mean... I just think, yeah, I, I, I hate, I hate all of it. Um, the whole idea is just foul. So there is also the spirit of a male nurse and apparently he's very tall. He has been seen sticking his head into each of the patient's rooms to check on them. I can't imagine how unsettling that would be, right? To have like one group in one room doing like a session and another group in another room and they're going to be like, hey, did you see that guy? He was like, you know, just random guy like kind of poking his head in. I think, yeah, I'm good. Um, so he is actually possessive of the room where he stayed when he was alive. He doesn't like people in it, which I think is. I don't know what I think that is. I mean, I'm not really sure. What do you think? Sounds kind of normal. Kind of normal? Yeah. Um, so The idea uh, of the disembodied head just like poking <laughs> around a corner sounds frightening, but... Horrifying, yeah. <laughs> mm, like, how y'all doing? Right? No, thank you. Uh, yeah. Mm-mm. Everybody okay in here? Um, apparently, this, this uh, spirit, this male nurse spirit, took a dislike to one of the tour guides... Um, because she reminded him of someone he had issues with while living. So I'm guessing they must have done some sort of like EVP work or whatever to kind of find out like why he didn't like this one tour guide. Um, and he openly showed his feelings toward her, which were not great. Didn't like mm. her. Yeah. There is another um, mentally ill male there, spirit there, who is combative. Um, and he will not take any abuse from paranormal investigators, which... Great. Uh, the kind, you know, those ones that antagonize and, and try to goad a spirit into manifesting or doing something. Um, those who try to provoke him are pushed out of the room and scratched. I'm So far, I'm on the guy's side. Um, as a spirit, he is freer to show his feelings now that he takes no medication to calm and control him. Hmm. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like the living to come into his room and he will show his displeasure and actually like make it so uncomfortable that you leave. All right. Mm-hmm. So there are um, some of the other third floor male patients. Twin boy spirits have stuck out their stuck their heads out around the corner of their rooms to watch investigators and tour guides. There is also a spirit with Down syndrome. Um, and he is very friendly and very willing to talk to the living through EVPs. Apparently, a number of groups have captured this individual on um, their EVP recorders. So, oh, bless his heart. I know. Um, your friend and mine, our new BFF, Elizabeth Siles, in Wittenmeyer Cottage, she makes personal appearances in front of the staff not being shy at all, which makes sense given the story you just told her about her. Right. 
Yeah. So wearing middle to late 1800s attire, she likes to float around the house and is very content to be in such a grand place where she spent her last years. Uh, She may um, converse with mediums or paranormal investigators as she is still as brave a spirit person as she was while she was alive. She approves of the furniture on display and has claimed this home as her own that she happily shares with the living. So she's just as cool in death as she was in life. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I want to go there just to, to talk to her. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, apparently she has moved into one of the rooms on display with furniture that she likes the most. And she does continue to reside there. Um, she is a very common spirit that um, groups run into. So I think that's really cool. That is super cool. Yeah. There is the spirit of a young boy. Um, most of the evidence captured has um, found his name to be Stephen, and his father died in the Civil War, and that he and his mother went to live there after his father died. He is also in Wittenmeyer Cottage, um, and he does like to make appearances to the living and he actually kind of enjoys the activities that he did while alive. So, um, things like, you know, playing with a ball and just running around and just kind of being, you know, a child. So at least he's happy. Right. For sure. Yeah. So the building's exterior offers up really no indication of its rich history or the range of emotions of the people that live there who once called it home. Uh, The dated interior hints that time stopped decades ago, and the hallways lead to empty rooms harboring the secrets of its residents during its 160-year history. If the walls could talk, there would be one man willing to listen. And that man is former owner Greg Finlayson. And he says, what I do know is that I have been in this building my own fair share of times since the late 80s, and it was quite the spooky place back then. He continues, when I was there, it had high ceilings, paint flaking off the walls, big heavy doors that squeaked when you opened and shut them, and long dark hallways and lots of strange sounds from other rooms. Yes, everything you need for a ghost to live in. (laughs) So for years, actually, people have been saying that Madison Seminary is haunted, as well as that a lot of people died in that building. Like you were saying, there's a there's a cemetery on the property of the the residents that um, are buried there, including Elizabeth. So um, between 1978 and 1992, Madison Township office building, as well as the Madison Township police station, had been located here, as you mentioned. Uh, One man, when um, Adam Kimmel bought the place, one, Mm -hmm. they were um, kind of not restoring, but just kind of like refurbishing and just kind of making it a little bit more structurally sound. One guy was working on a ladder in an upstairs room when this feeling of pure rage overtook him. He said that um, Adam, who was his boss, was coming to look for him and calling out his name. And he came into the room that he was in. The guy said that he had this almost uncontrollable urge to bash Adam's head in with a hammer in his hand. And he had no idea, like, why. He just felt this urge to bash his head in with a hammer. 
the owner noticed nobody likes bosses but i mean that's a little extreme um (laughs) the owner noticed he was in this weird trance and kept saying his name multiple times to kind of shake him out of it um which Mm -hmm. the guy finally did come out of it um and he had no he he remembered being not in control of his body um and he refused to work up in that room ever again and he was fine as long as he stayed out of that room i i whatever yeah no um so there was another man by the name of roger baxby and he said that back in 1991 i was a news writer for the lake county news herald and covered several madison township trustees meetings in that building he said i recall after one meeting the trustees were invite had invited the press to tour the second floor where their offices were we were gathered in the clerk's office where she was trying to demonstrate the wonders of a new laser printer. Now, again, 1991, <laughs> which I feel was only just like, you know, 10 years ago, but apparently it was longer than that. Right. Um, to demonstrate the wonders of a new laser printer the township had recently purchased, but she couldn't get this new miracle of modern technology to turn on. She soon noticed that it was unplugged and she remarked, well, that's strange. I never unplug this. Which, who does? I don't ever unplug my printer. Like, I get it. So she plugs it back in and punches the power button, but nothing lights up. So the smug journalist, he says, exchanged a few snarky glances between us, thinking typical government ineptitude. But at that moment, one of the ladies started complaining about a sudden coldness in the room. And they all started to seem oddly uncomfortable and edging toward the door. Um, he says, I guess Finlayson's mention of an unexplain- unexplainable pressure as it being watched kind of describes the sensation. Personally, I was happy the trustees moved to their new digs shortly after that. So, yeah. Um, over the years, people have described hearing children playing inside. The sounds of women in conversation and footsteps are heard. Foremost, people have seen a spectral woman in a white in white flitting up the stairs to the third floor as a result nobody likes to go up there um on the third floor it is far more likely that you will experience something than anywhere else in the country what i was like that's quite a fucking claim Mm -hmm. that is quite a claim but yes it is far more you are far more likely to experience something on the third floor of madison seminary than anywhere else in the country who says this article, which oh, was people, people <laughs> say people. it, people say it, Laura, they do. They say it. Um, I built, I got this from angelfire.com. Oh, okay. This part. Yeah. Do you have a rebuttal? I just didn't know if it was like destination fear. Like who was, who was stating that it was substantially. Oh yeah. No. Or whatever. Mm-mm. So, um, one of the residents of Madison, the town, not the seminary, (laughs) Carl McFarland, (laughs) he's actually the founder of Great Lakes Paranormal. He says that claims that the building is haunted go back many decades, and it was these stories that drew my attention to the place. I had to ask permission to conduct a paranormal investigation, um, and... I don't get scared during investigations. And when I see something, I want to go after it and see what it is. Very much like you and I. Like, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We don't run, right? Um, if you're so while, scared, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, it's not a. It's not like a Halloween haunted house, you know. It isn't. No, which I actually won't go to. I will not go to those because um, I I'm I guaranteed somebody will try to jump out and scare me. Whereas here, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like it's just right. safer in a real one. Um, <laughs> also, I I won't get arrested for assault. So good plan. Yeah. So while he may actually not be bothered by the haunting tales. Others are. And some people plainly refuse to talk about the building or their experiences in it because they've been so horrifying. Um, growing up, this girl, Darla Castle, uh, spent a lot of time in and out of the seminary back when it was owned by her grandfather, like I mentioned, Gregory Finlayson. Um So she remembers when she was younger, running loose through the structure and exploring all of the rooms and the tiny closets, the back stairways. Um, But when she got older, she started realizing that something wasn't right with the building, Uh, but she couldn't quite explain what, because by now she's about 17, 18 years old. So she was much younger and she was running through it like a, you know, like we would do when we were little kids, right? Of course. yeah. Yeah. So she... Couldn't quite explain why the building felt off to her. But she did say, when you come into the building, you kind of feel strange inside of it, as if there was some kind of pressure on you. You feel like you're being watched, even when you're by yourself. Years later, she would hear the stories about her grandfather's building, including some from her grandfather. She said he would be working in his office, and he would hear children and groups of people in the building at night. One night... The noise of people talking, the din was so loud, he thought the building alarm was going to be set off from all the noise. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Right? Um, so the local proximity alarms often do go off. So like the security in the building does go off. Police will show up to search the grounds and the building, which is always locked up tight at night, but they never find anything. Um, a few times they comment on the sheer presence of the building, even though they never find anything. So everybody is feeling something in this fucking building, including police, which I think is so crazy. Um, I actually tend to find claims from a police officer more credible than the average person. Than I, You know what I mean? Um, simply because... They are the police you know, and they have reports they have to write up and they have like all that's on record. Right. So if they're going to go so far as to be like, there was this noise, there was this thing. We watched this chair move. Like, um, I tend to find that, uh, police officers claims are just a little bit more believable than the average, the average person, because that's their, their professional reputation online. If they're writing up a report saying we watched a chair move six feet and nobody was in it. And there were, you know what I mean? So I'm always fascinated when I hear about a police officer having a paranormal experience. Um, so the guy, the reporter that I was talking about a minute ago, he says, I don't mind coming into the building. I have seen and heard many strange things, but nothing bad has happened to me. So he's okay with it. Now, Lake County Administrator Richard Beard, who had an office in the building when he worked for Madison Township several years ago, 
said that he believes there's some kind of activity going on inside the office he had. He said that even though he never saw a ghost, he and several other employees did experience several unexplainable things, including hearing footsteps in the hallways, doors opening and closing, and the intense feeling of being watched. I hate that feeling. I, I, that feeling is gross to me. Also, my door is like cracked kind of open so that Tater can come in and out. And I keep looking at it like, is somebody watching me? Um... So he said that several employees claimed to have seen a woman walking in a second floor hallway or standing in a second floor window. And there's no women in the building, like even if it's closed. So he does recall the time that a Channel 3 Cleveland reporter was reporting and filming there when their cameras stopped working. At the same time, their recording devices would turn on and record conversations and then minutes later play back the conversations to the stunned news crews. Um, sorry. Um, he said that as the news anchor stood on the front steps of the Ohio cottage, Beard, who was with the other anchor, said she noticed her voice recorder recording their conversation. He said she became frightened and quickly moved away from the area. Within seconds, he heard a piece of glass shattering from an upper window that slipped out and dropped where that woman had been standing minutes before. That's crazy. I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Especially because she was just standing there. And then all of a sudden, like, she just got uncomfortable and she moved away from the area because she just, like, the recorders were going off. And mm-hmm. then this pane of glass happens to fall right where she was. Mm-mm. That's freaky. Yeah, it's really freaky. So um, he said that she was really shaken up over it and immediately left right then, which I can't honestly say that I blame her. I would fucking leave too. Yeah. Except we wouldn't because we're paranormal investigators. And so we would have to go up and find out what the fuck was going on. Um, (laughs) There's pros and cons to this job, guys, if you're considering (laughs) doing it. Um, He also recalled a college student hired for summer work quit in the middle of a job after... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> claiming that an angry voice kept telling him to leave. So, um, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to call it my, or on Monday, Chris, sorry, I can't. There's an angry voice telling me to leave. I can't, I just can't. I'm sorry. Um, one group of people who wanted to see for themselves whether the building was haunted decided to stay overnight in the building. In the middle of the night, the group was overcome by a rotten stench of decaying flesh that prompted them to run for fresh air. That's fucking gross. That's gross. That's so gross. Um, the so smells he... really get me when they when we're investigating. You know, like yes. it's always super intense. So he went on to um, say that I really believe there's something paranormal or a group of paranormal things in that building. Additionally, over the years, several police officers have also made claims of strange experiences. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I feel this is way more credible. I don't know why. Sorry, average Joe. It just it just is. Um, Strange experiences of seeing somebody in a window. One officer said that police dogs brought into the building for training would cower and whine in certain rooms and resist going up onto the third floor. Um, 
See, I always believe dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. I'm like people, uh, dogs. I'm like, okay, yeah. No, we're not going to that third floor because <laughs> Humphrey says it's a bad idea. Right. Yeah, for real, for real. Um, so while many strongly believe something or several things of a paranormal nature exist in the building, there are many who actually refute those claims. If so, why is it that some have had unexplainable experiences in the building and some haven't? Well. You know, uh, while there is no paranormal book to refer to, theories do ha- tend to help answer some of those nagging questions, right? Not all people are tuned to the same paranormal activity or seeing ghosts, and not all will see or hear the same thing if something happens in the presence of both parties at the same time, i.e., you heard the yelling in the field in Gettysburg, and I'm 50 feet away, and I didn't hear shit. So, I mean, it just... There's no rhyme or reason. It just kind of happens. Exactly. Yes. So the most common theory for some individuals who don't see spirits, ghosts, or an apparition is because they don't have an open mind to such beliefs or that another dimension exists. Another theory is that some of us don't possess the ability to see or experience these things. However, I will say that ghosts do not fucking show up on command. Do you know how many times I have seen an apparition in my life? Once. Once it was by happenstance, it was a trans Allegheny. I've been a look in a window, there's a little girl in a nightgown. I have once that's it. Paranormal, and it's very rare to see an apparition, it's rare to see a shadow figure. Some places may have them in spades, but I saw a couple at Phelps, but I barely saw one at Trans Allegheny. That's it. Of all the places we have investigated. That's it. It's it's rare. So I think people have this misconception that when you go on a paranormal investigation, you're going to have all kinds of experiences. You're going to record a bunch of stuff. It's That is not how it works. Ghosts do not show up, talk to you, manifest, whatever, on command. They just don't. So doesn't explain why people who don't believe in ghosts are often saying things while people who do believe struggle so hard to catch proof. Again, like I said, they don't perform on command. Uh, One might surmise that ghosts can choose who can see them or that they just occasionally get careless. I don't like any of this paragraph. I don't know why I put it in there. Probably so I could argue it. Um, I stand by what I said, and it's very true. And I think any paranormal investigator worth their salt would agree with me. So if you are one, hit us up. Let us know. So this guy, McFarlane, recalls an incident where a local electrician exploring bad wiring in the building went up to the third floor, where the dogs don't like to go, to check the lines up there and walked into an unlocked room, surprising a tall, pale woman with dark eyes and dark hair, wearing a long white dress, floating one foot off the floor. She was just floating there in the room, and upon getting discovered... She charged at him through the door and vanished into the hallway wall. Not staying to tell anyone his right, <laughs> not staying to tell anyone his story, he came racing and stumbling down the stairs, eventually throwing up in the grass outside the building. A coworker had to come finish the job for him because he was like, "Fuck you, I'm out." Yeah, <clears throat> I mean imagine? that's a pretty. I think that that's kind of the reaction that anybody would have having like that suddenly happened to them i think so terribly upsetting 
Right? And the way That's just Scooby Doo shit. Yes. The way the guy described it, I was like, I think that happened in Ghostbusters. Right. Um I'm like, that happens on every single episode of Scooby Doo. Right. Didn't Bill Murray get like hit by Slimer, right? Like yeah, he yeah. slimed me. That's just what I picture. But I'm sure that I'm I'm sure that, that happened. I never ever discount anybody's claims of paranormal activity. I would be such a hypocritical investigator and a believer. Um I can't imagine what that must have felt like. I have felt one touch me and it felt like it didn't feel cold. Like everyone's like, Oh, it's so cold. To me, it didn't. It just felt like fingertips on my face. Just right here that I actually thought it was a fucking bug. One, I hate fucking have my face touched that. And then if I thought it was a bug, it'd be, it'd be worse. Mm -hmm. I would be, that sounds like the worst possible thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I actually prayed it was a bug. And then when I was like, okay, can you stop? It went away. Uh, and bugs don't do that. Bugs also don't perform on command. Not usually. Flea yeah. circus, maybe. That's- I mean, a bug's life is, is a Pixar movie, guys. It's not real. <laughs> so, again, the building dates back to people from the Civil War era, and it was a prison at one time and an institution for the mentally insane. You have all the energies of that turmoil and all of that within one building, and it becomes the perfect catalyst and battery for paranormal activity, in addition to the fact that staff was abusing the women that lived there. So, um, <clears throat> it, he be- this McFarlane believes the location could be haunted by residual hauntings, um, involving phantoms replaying events trapped in the fiber, the energetical fiber, um, and structure, kind of like a DVD. We've talked about it, what residual hauntings are versus intelligent hauntings. So we're not going to get into that again. Um, but he does speculate that when these energies are strong enough, they can hold or trap surviving personalities there. Like the female presence that's so often seen. Just who she is, nobody is sure. It could be Elizabeth, but she typically stays in another building, the actual building that she lived in. This is that main building that we showed in the beginning. Um, people have felt touched by icy cold fingers or felt themselves being watched or have become too scared to look behind them. Oh, God, that's a horrible feeling. When you know there's something behind you, but you also know when you turn around, there's not going to be anything behind you. There's so much mental, like, chaos going on in those few seconds of time. I hate that feeling entirely. <laughs> I really hate it. <laughs> um, the woman doesn't get, see... What? We get that a lot, like, going we through do. places. Yeah, feeling we really like do. There's something behind you mm-hmm. yeah it's creepy it's awful i hate it um she this woman doesn't seem dangerous and she definitely did but she definitely delights in scaring the living which what the fuck else does she have to do with her time i would you would anybody would, you know what i mean like i kind of jump in and scare you you know fuck with you if i were dead you would know it was me though that's all i would do is fuck with people a thousand especially my enemies so many enemies. I would. I'm like not even my enemies. My friends. <laughs> That'd be who I go after. Like, haha, bitch. <laughs> what was it? I can't even remember what it was. But Koi's dad, Josh. I needed him to do something. 
I can't remember what it was. It wasn't anything serious. Like, I had nothing to do with Koi or whatever, but I needed him to do something. And I was like, look, dude, I need you to get this to me. Oh, no, I remember what it was. He, it was his video um, for Koi's graduation video. Mm-hmm. And um, I, <laughs> I said, listen, I need your video by this date. Or I swear to God, I will die. And if I die, I will haunt you. And if I haunt you, it'll be in the most inopportune and embarrassing moments of your life. Like, I will fuck with you. Like, if you're having sex, I'm going to pop through the wall and be like, where's the video, John? (laughs) (laughs) I will do it, too. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. So he was like, all right, fine. And I got the video, like, that night. (laughs) Like, if you don't do this, I will die. Um, Anyway. So one um, one individual that had investigated the um, or not investigated, but had worked there said I could be sitting there and I would hear the phone silently dial numbers at random. So their cell phone would dial numbers at random. And all of a sudden I'd hear a voice through the phone, you know, that's just sitting here and you can hear the voice through the phone say hello. And then I would have to reassure this person that I didn't actually call them. And that my phone was acting strange, which it actually was. And apparently, that's a common problem. Like, you're butt dialing people, but your phone is, like, maybe sitting next to you or whatever. Especially when we go on investigations, because you and I use our phones a lot. We use the camera. We're constantly taking pictures. Like, for it to randomly... Did we? I don't remember. Yeah, you're, uh... We were in the same room. And you were standing up and your phone called me. And I know that you weren't touching your phone and it couldn't have been a butt dial. You weren't sitting on it. Like your phone was locked in your pocket and had been. That's for quite a, right. For a while. And then remember, it just called me and I was it like, called. why are you calling me? I'm right fucking here. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm not. I don't have my phone. Um, yeah. So that's a common thing. I forgot about that. Holy mm. shit. Um, kind of like when my phone texted Jennifer, just nothing. Mm-hmm. When we were at Montgomery House. Yeah. Anyway, other common problems are with the lights, which turn on by themselves in different parts of the building, even though the wiring has been checked several times. Um, remember the electrician who went to the third floor uh, and then threw up. Um, right. He also frequently hears sounds of people talking in footsteps, but most of the time he just ignores it because, I mean, if you got a job to do, what else you're going to fucking do? So. He's always got that feeling of expecting to sudden someone to suddenly emerge at the bottom of the stairs or out from a hallway or a door, but nobody ever appears. That's got to be horrible. <laughs> Could you imagine the anxiety of just expecting somebody to be there and no one ever is? He says they've heard doors open and close when the place is supposed to be empty. Water running from somewhere upstairs going off and on. Lights in rooms upstairs without light bulbs turning on. Like no light bulbs and lights are on in these rooms. Oh, that's fucking weird. Yeah. As I leave to lock up and I look up to the second and third floor and there's lights in these rooms where I know there are no light bulbs. Uh, We've had people come check these things repeatedly and nobody can ever find a reason why it keeps happening. Especially not with a fucking, with no light bulbs. No light bulbs. What the fuck is that? So several people have come to the location to expecting to see something often leaving in a huff when nothing happens and calling the place a giant hoax. Very similar to my TikTok video about this drive through Gettysburg. And they're like, and I wasted a minute of my life for nothing. And I'm like, well, I didn't say there was anything in it. Um, 
there is no surefire time when stuff happens, guys. I said it a thousand times. I will say it a thousand more. So despite an effort to predict the ghostly routine here at Madison Seminary, activity is frequently random and unpredictable, as it is everywhere. Um... Different witnesses describe this one apparition as a young girl, while others think it is a young woman. Um, the general consensus is is it's this Sarah girl, air quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so this girl, when she gets upset, they people tend to try to placate her with a doll. Um, and this doll has since started popping up throughout the structure. She has been seen in a closet posed sitting in hallways left in chairs of locked rooms and even left staring out of the again third floor windows so what's up with the fucking dolls lately i feel like i'm just constantly being followed by creepy ass dolls ever since we did that annabelle or whatever and then peggy the doll it's gettysburg there was a bunch of creepy dolls now we're talking about dolls again i'm like fuck off dolls (laughs) go away Mm mm-hmm yeah, Gettysburg, there were a lot of attendees at Gettysburg that brought their haunted dolls with them. Like, they were their security blanket. Don't do I, that. Keep that shit at home. I just don't even know. So, uh, this Dar- Darla Castle, the girl whose great whose grandfather used to own it, um, she says, quote, If you ask me, the scariest freaking thing about the whole place right now is that creepy doll. We can never find it when we look for it. And yet a day later, we'll discover it sitting at the bottom of the stairs where someone will see it. Oh, man. People took a photograph of um, where they found the doll. And I hate this leather chair. My butt sticks to it. Um, I am wearing pants, guys. I'm I'm not just pantsless on this chair, but still. Lies. I mean, (laughs) hang on. Uh, Follow me on OnlyFans. Um... (laughs) People took a picture for the TikTok views. (laughs) I mean, I need more. Um, People took a picture of where they found this doll. Mm -hmm. Uh, The building was closed. They walked in. The doll was in one place and they found the doll. Like this. Sorry, Laura. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mm hmm. It's just like looking into the corner, mm-hmm. all creepy. Like it was in one place. They left. They came back the next morning. Then and they found her in a completely different place. And this is the place they found her. Yeah, that's creepy. That doll looks super creepy. A thousand percent. In addition, look what else I have. Ew! Why do they have a collection of creepy dolls and creepy old wheelchairs? In wheelchairs, with, with creepy old furniture. Seriously, so the doll on the left, um, the redhead—that's the doll in the picture in the corner. That's that same doll. Right. Um, the other dolls. Uh, uh-uh. what's with the dark-haired doll? I can't. I don't know. Why is it like green? Like it's dead. I mm-hmm. don't. There's it's nothing gray. Good about dolls, Mm-mm. people. No. I'm no. not gonna judge your hobbies too harshly, but. A little bit. I mean, when it's just me and Laura, man, do we fucking rip on you. I'll be real honest. We do. Dolls are creepy. Dolls are creepy. Sorry. Yeah. So this redheaded doll, this is the doll she's talking about. And it just shows up in random places. And this one day, they found her standing in the fucking corner. Like, looking in the corner. I was like, was she in timeout? She put herself in timeout. Like, it was being punished. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? Old punishment. Who put this doll there? Like, Why? 
That's really weird. That's we did a we did a um, an episode way early on about the psychology of why people are afraid of dolls. I recommend you go listen to it. It was um, up the island of the dolls uh, in Mexico. So go go take a look at it. It's early early on, guys. Um, before Laura was on the show, when I was doing the show with Archie, I think it's in the first thirty episodes. I think. Anyway. I have actually been to the... Bo- I think I say this every time we go and talk about it. Yeah, every time we talk I about Mexico, the- yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've been there. Because <laughs> it's so rare that, like, we talk about something and I'm like, I one, I know for 100% what we're talking about, and I actually am like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> Unless it's something that we've done together. Right, yeah. So Is I'm it super like, creepy? Super pleased with the myself I- that I'm like, I know what's going on. <laughs> uh, I don't feel lost when you say words, Carrie. Right. Um is it super creepy? I feel like it would be super creepy. They have dolls hanging from trees on this yeah, island. It's it's in Xochimilco, which is like where you have the bright color covered, like in colored um, flat boats. That sure. They push you down the the little river there. And right. There's to like the mariachi bands and yeah. tacos and you drink. It's like a really good time. <laughs> All of a sudden, like, they take you to this really terrifying cool. island. Yeah, and then you just start to see like dolls' heads on spikes and like hanging. Uh huh. Like, this is fucking weird. It's but awful. It damper my good time. I got out, looked around. They told me, oh, you know, it's some um, some older guy that like put him up there to like ward off evil spirits. I was like, wow. yeah, he found the body of a dead girl that washed up on the island, and so too. Yeah placate her spirit he hung these dolls and then he died and it just kind of took off so yeah so it wasn't it was funky but Mm. i didn't feel scared at all yeah i definitely recommend everybody listen to the episode it is on the island of the dolls um but there's not a whole lot of hauntings that go with that island so what i did was i discussed the psychological reason why people don't like dolls (laughs) it was really kind of fascinating and very true so um let's talk wrap this up with uh some of the more creepy rooms i'm gonna start with the asylum basement because why not because <laughs> that sounds like yeah where exactly mean, where you go you know i love a good asylum basement and this is called the whole room not the whole room always the hole it's h-o-l-e it's like we're yeah. in a hole yes So in this room, this is the urban legend of a woman who was murdered and buried in the center of the room before concrete was poured. Cadaver dogs have actually searched the area and pinpointed a location where they felt there was actually something. The owner did agree to allow the area to be dug up after a seismic photo was taken and an anomaly was spotted. However, nothing was found. But the owner does seem open to more exploration, which this guy, Adam Kimmel, who, again, guys, he also owns Fairfield County Infirmary. If you're not familiar with it, go listen to last week's episode. We just covered it. This is the sister episode. So in this room, the whole room of the asylum basement, (sighs) there have been whispers heard and an odd feeling as if more people are in the room than actually are at a given time. Um, this group, Iron City Paranormal, did an exploration of the area and they felt as though the air was heavy and that it was difficult to breathe in the room. Um, but again, basement, I don't know what it looks like. Maybe it was dusty. Maybe it was, I don't know. 
Uh, whatever was in the area gave the impression that it was attempting to feed off of their energy. No, 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 no. Get out. Run quickly. Don't. I, that is when I will run. If I feel there's something trying to feed off of my anything, goodbye. Sorry. I'm not that dedicated an investigator. I will tell you right now. Um, they also experienced a sensation that made them feel as though they should keep their backs to the wall and not let allow anything to get behind them. Ugh. Hmm. Yeah. Um, during the same session, they did an EVP um, session. Uh, it didn't capture much as far as audible voices, but there was plenty of ovulus activity. I love the ovulus. Super cool. During this time, they also spotted movement in the hallway, which entered the room in the form of a light anomaly. The thermal image captured the outline of an entity behind um, one of their investigators as well. So, um, the Civil War Wing on the third floor hallway, there have been voices and EVPs captured in this area. It's been said that shadows can be seen peering out of doorways down this hallway. Again, is it the just the head? Is it the whole body? I have so many questions. If there's it's so just, much peering going on here. There's a lot of like, what's going on over there? Right, um, yeah. Yeah, super creeps. I feel like if you could just burst into the room and be like, hi, I'm here. I'm a ghost. That would be so much better than if you were to like creep around a corner and watch me. Um, footsteps have been heard walking up and down the hall at all times of the day. Um, now the asylum basement outside of the hole has a hallway and in this hallway, employees claim to feel that they're not alone here. Footsteps have been heard. Shadows have been seen being that the area was so busy when the building was in operation, former employees coming and going. It said that residual hauntings can be experienced here as if these spirits are reliving these situations over and over. Unfortunately, rapes did happen down here as well. So. I'll just leave you with that. Um, <laughs> as the team, the Iron City Paranormal Team, investigated the area, their medium felt as though someone was murdered in the hallway. Maybe I'll continue. Um, <laughs> she experienced the sensation of a past altercation and blood on the floor. Perhaps this room is linked to the urban legend of the woman being buried in the whole room. Um... Slug one back, guys. I'm, it's not going to get... I don't have anything good to say <laughs> at all moving forward. I'm like, this is just so terrible. One Awful. Thing after another. One right. thing after another, yeah. Um, there is the asylum attic. I mean, like, because attics and basements don't have good histories anywhere. Uh, but this attic had a rec room. And this large open space was, at one time, filled with the mentally challenged and physically incapacitated inmates. Which, why would you take physically incapacitated inmates to the attic? With the top. Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. This space was their free, their room to roam free, and their social time. Many of these patients would simply sit in corners, staring out of the windows. Others would be running in circles around their comrades. It's rumored that people dressed in white robes can be seen looking out of the windows and seen from the street. One of these spirits has been named Rudy. Um, he has been heard speaking through spirit boxes, including um, he had a speech impediment. So when he speaks mm -hmm. through spirit boxes, his speech impediment comes through too. So he's still speaking with it. Oh, that's um, really interesting. Yeah, isn't that cool? Um, 
So he's also very timid and he tends to stay in areas where visitors aren't, um, such as kind of like the, if like a group is sitting on like one side of the room, he'll be on the far opposite side. Um, but he does occasionally talk cause he's curious. Right. So, um, uh, this particular group captured a few names and seemingly recorded a spirit trying to repeat what they were saying. They said that it would be typical for an area like this where the psychologically damaged patients were simply trying to learn and used repetition to do so, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, the REM pod, uh, which was set up in the corner closest to us went off on different occasions, but not at its full extent. Um, It seemed as though someone was shy and just wanted to play with it, but not alert anyone's attention. So in the Destination Fear episode, they went up to this room and they used a device called the quad. And the quad is very similar to a motion detection device. Um, We don't have any of those except for the REM pod on our team. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want all of it, of course. (laughs) <laughs> but the quad is basically a box. It's a square box with an antenna. And all it does is it beeps when it feels vibration near it. So you almost have to be, I think, within six to eight inches of the quad stepping near it mm-hmm. and vibrate to to the floor off. to get it to go off on Destination Fear. The quad was going off in this room a bunch. Um, Alex had to sleep there. That was his sleeping arrangement for the night. And the quad went off and he almost shit his pants on TV. Which I probably would too, frankly. Um, But yeah, so the quad sounds like something really interesting. I don't know if they have ever used it or what its reaction would be on like a stone floor. You know, like Trans-Allegheny? Because the only wooden floor in Trans-Allegheny is the fourth floor. So, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm curious, how does the quad react on a stone floor? Obviously, footsteps create vibrations, but is it sensitive enough to pick that up on, like, a concrete floor? I don't know. If you've used a quad, message us. Let us know, because I'm really curious. So, anywho. Um... The other thing is, with uh, since I'm talking about Destination Fear, they were in Sarah's room, and they used the music box. Have you seen the music box? It looks like a little coffin, and it only... No, d- I think I've mm-hmm. seen them actually for sale places or something. Amazon. They, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. I was looking to buy this one for the team, but they're like 400 fucking dollars. I'm like, no. No, thank you. Rampod will suffice. Um, but they put a music box in Sarah's room and it kept going off. Mm-hmm. Like they heard it up in the attic. Yeah. Uh-huh. They were like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, oh my God, the REM pod's going off. It was really crazy. And then, um, Tanner was doing a solo in Sarah's room. And one of the other claims is that one of the people that goes there on a regular basis, I don't know if he's on staff or just investigates it a lot. I'm not really sure, but he gets his ear flicked when he's in her room and Tanner was doing a solo in the room and someone touched his ear. I was like, yeah. So creeped him out. I'm like, this place is kind of hella fucked. Um, so back to the attic. 
uh, there is also the surgeon's room. Now, remember when I said that there were forced abortions? Mm-hmm. Remember that fun little tidbit? Uh, mm-hmm. This is where they would be performed. So it is a small room with a single medical chair and a bed with stirrups. Uh <laughs> in the room. It was typically a medical evaluation room, but when they had to shut, to shut the door for privacy, there was something more than likely very wrong going on. Um, there were a handful of patients that did die on this table. The total number and names of the deaths were not accounted for, and the room was decorated with items that would have been in the room during its operation. Ha! No pun intended. Uh... Like doctor's bags, medical tools, and even family photos. Um, None of which are actually original to the room. They just have that room decorated that way, right? So the majority of paranormal activity in this room revolves around this surgeon. The entity is said to pace back and forth in the room and rearrange the tools. The door is said to open and close on its own. And this has been attributed to this guy as well. If somebody refers to the surgeon as a doctor rather than his actual title of surgeon, the air gets very heavy as if the visitor is not wanted or allowed in the room any longer. Uh Uh-huh. That's fun. Right? Which reminds me of chefs. Um, Chefs are chefs, right? It's very offensive to somebody who is a chef, like my son's father, um, like our dear friend Steve Waddell. If you refer to them as a cook, that's very offensive. So I understand, like, somebody we worked with, with Steve, called him the head cook of the hotel. Steve was so upset. He was so upset. Titles matter. In those kinds of professions, titles matter. So I can understand why if he was referred to as a doctor instead of a surgeon, I guess I can kind of see like, cause he was really mad. So that's why I've always told Koi, don't ever call your father a cook. Always call him a chef because that's what dad is. Don't ever call dad a cook. <laughs> it's a thing, right? Like. It is a thing. In French, actually, chef just means boss. Okay. That was Steve too. <laughs> but. Is there any kind of like hierarchy in French for chef or chef is just surgeon? Like the top person, right? So like chef de cuisine or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have your like sushi, you know, the different types of chefs. Sure, sous chef, but, right? And then you would have like your head chef, of course, like whatever. And then they have the the French have like their own awards and stuff for sure cooks and stuff like that. Very. Um, so there's an executive chef over head like chef. That. I'm not really yeah, sure how we got into this. I don't this. know all of it. Yeah, but anyway, I guess surgeons and doctors have the same kind of hierarchy. Anyway. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, there yeah. You go. Cool, huh? Um, mm-hmm. Upon entering the room, uh, you will also get a strong scent of ether or blood. Is what you'll Ew. smell, right? I was like ether, bleh, blood. Okay, but ether, wow. Um, this group said they didn't spend very much time in the room. They did capture some voices on the spirit box and they did capture a full body apparition on the thermal camera, but they immediately felt unwanted by the time they were finished with the investigation. And so they left. So in the civil war wing basement, there are a few rooms tucked inside both sides of the hallway. However, the entire hallway always feels heavy and is somewhat difficult to breathe in. Um, 
A lot of places in this building kind of feel sort of oppressive on your chest. I don't know if anybody, maybe it was used as a tuberculosis ward, maybe? I don't know. Um, know. Numerous reports down here regarding spirits who like to touch women. They will play with your hair, grab you inappropriately, and even slap you on occasion. Mm -mm. Good times. Right? Um, like on one end, I want to be like, fucking try it. What am I going to do if they do? Right. Nothing. What am I going to do? Nothing. Um, the same spirit that is believed to haunt there dislikes larger men and tries to scare them off so it can have the women all to itself. That's gross on so many levels. Um, again, more reports of the air being heavy and just a general feeling of uneasiness, Hi, yay. Um, the medium that had accommodated or accommodated, accompanied Aaron, don't text me in anger. <laughs> I guess I said the wrong word in an, ep- in an episode. And she like actually yelled at me while she was listening to the episode while she was in the shower. And her husband came in and was like, who are you yelling at? And she was like, Carrie. And he's like, is she here? She's like, no, I'm listening to her podcast. <laughs> that's funny yeah so (laughs) Jeff is she here (laughs) so this medium also felt that during this time the civil war era whatever spirit is in the basement would torture and rape women hiding their bodies somewhere in the building so toward the end of their time there, um, they captured what sounded like a dreadful scream on EVP. And they felt like it was time to get out of that area. So this feels like a good place for us to end to. Um, that's what I have for the hauntings of Madison Seminary. It turned out to be a treasure trove of them. If you want to go, it is located at 6769 Middle Ridge Road in Madison, Ohio. 44057. You can call them with any questions that you may have. Their phone number is 440-721-8937. Now, they do have private overnight investigations if you are brave enough, and Laura and I are. Uh, You can um, investigate seven days a week. Prices for Sunday through Thursday are $300. It does require $150 deposit. Friday or Saturday nights are obviously the hotter ticket items. $500, $250 security deposit. But that does go toward your $500, right? So they said that um, your flat rate price is good for only 10 people, which is very affordable, frankly. It's very reasonable. Very reasonable, yeah. Um, if you have more than 10 people, then there will be an additional charge for anyone over the 10th. Uh, if it's a weekend date, it'll be $50 for each person over, and for a weekday, it will be 30 They do have a maximum of only 20 people in the building for private overnight investigations. So um, I definitely do recommend it. I do want to check it out. There's been a number of people that have um, investigated the location and really been shaken. So I think it is a challenge for even the most seasoned paranormal investigator. Um, so I think maybe we should try to put this on our list. We've got a lot of a list, the, a growing list of places we want to investigate. But I think we should for oh sure gosh, put this so on. Long. And just so long. longer. Longer and longer with every almost every episode we do. Hmm. Uh, but I would like to see this one <laughs> a little bit more than I kind of want to see uh, Fairfield County Infirmary. 
I think this one, yeah, you know, I this one's kind of challenging. Like, well, yeah, this one sounds really cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's what I have, guys. Check them out. They don't have a website, but they do have a Facebook page, and that kind of serves as their main website. So certainly go check them out if you want to um, do an investigation. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that on that. That's what I have. We are not going to do Strange History this week simply because we are already at an hour and 51 minutes. (laughs) So, uh, Laura, why don't you let everybody know where they can follow us? You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HOAH Podcast. And, and on TikTok. I'm bringing it up, sorry. At HOAH Podcast, at HOAH Carrie, and at HOAH Co-host Laura. Also, uh, at HOAH Carrie is where the crazy video is at that's garnered almost 50,000 views. Actually, let's check it in real time, guys. Hang on. Let's see. Oh, my God. Hang on. 53,200 <laughs> views. If you're not watching this on YouTube, Carrie just had to squint and hold her phone away from her face. Oh, oh I did. I really <laughs> did. I did. It's stupid. Anyway, guys, look. It's just, look, look. It's just. <laughs> it's the best. That's right. it. Well, thank and that's you guys all. so much for watching. We appreciate you. We Thanks do. Thanks for sticking with us for such a long episode. Hope it was worth it. Yeah, you me too. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, we're super excited. We're going to be doing a Facebook Live going over all of our evidence from the USS North Carolina. That's going to take place on Saturday, September 10th. And buy the merch, hohpodcast.com slash shop. And Laura, I love you. We will see you in a couple of days for the Monday Snack Size episode. Uh, it's your turn, and I hope the story's great. And or actually, I hope the story sucks so I can follow it with something great. I hate following your good stories. Uh, to that end, everybody, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening or peeking around, peeking around corners at you. It's gross. Uh, you never know when that's happening. So, bye, guys. We will see you next week with a brand new episode. Thank you. <laughs>